Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. All these poor babies can't play back-to-back games. We just want to make it convenient for them. That $40, 50000000 million they're making a year is just... Can't stress them out. The private jets and the four-star hotels is not enough. It's just a joke to me. I say this about Chuck. You know you're a big deal. When what you say about the NBA are a big deal in September, all right? Then again, what does that say about how bad the NFL season has been so far? What's good? Welcome to the best 60 minutes of your day. Coming up, Thursday Night Football. Zeke addresses last Sunday, fallout from this past Saturday at Nebraska and later fall guys in Cincinnati and New York and which ranked teams will fall in week four. Uh, but we begin with a very serious story. The lawyer for former uh, for former Patriot Aaron Hernandez announced today that the New England Patriot tight end was found to have a severe form of CTE, the degenerative brain disease linked to repeated head trauma. Uh, Hernandez committed suicide last April while serving in prison for, on a life sentence for murder. Now, Jose Baez Hernandez's lawyer said researchers determined it was, quote, the most severe case they had ever seen in someone of Aaron's age. Uh, Now, he died when he was 27 years old. He was diagnosed as having stage three out of stage four in terms of CTE. And that was according to Boston University, which has conducted, obviously, a lot of these CTE studies. But knowing this information, Mike, does this change how you view Aaron Hernandez? No, not at all. Uh, None of this information is surprising. Maybe the stage three part um, and it being the most severe they'd seen in somebody his age. But, I mean, we suspected that he suffered from chronic traumatic encephalopathy, not just because of the behavior that he exhibited, but also the fact that a recent study found evidence of the disease in 110 of 111 former NFL players whose brains were examined. So in other words, most, if not all, NFL players who suffer repeated head trauma deal with some form of CTE at some point in his life. That said, I mean, look, given that you're talking about aggressiveness, explosiveness, impulsivity, depression, and other cognitive issues, and the fact that you've seen players take their lives who suffer from CTE, it does stand to reason that if you will go so far as to take your own life, it's not a stretch to suggest that you may resort to taking the life of another. On the flip side, a lot of people play in the NFL. Most, if not all, as we just pointed out, suffer from CTE. None of them are alleged sociopaths. So this isn't an explanation for why he did what he did, it could be a reason as to why he committed suicide. And I think that's what we're looking at here. We're looking at a a lawyer whose job it is to advocate for the family, advocate financially in terms of damages for his family, but also to fight for the memory of Aaron Hernandez. Because legally, he was, uh, his his conviction was expunged Mm -hmm. once he died. Also, you're fighting for his memory because I think there's a part of them, just like the, the families of his alleged victims, the families of his victims want peace. His family wants to still believe that that wasn't him, that he was acting out of character, even though a lot of his problems go back to Florida. So ultimately, it's a sad story gets sadder. We already suspected that he had some issues um, beyond his, 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 his behavior, his learned behavior. Maybe there was some cognitive issues. But I am uncomfortable with the notion of blaming football or the Patriots for his downfall. Yeah, and I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I also mentioned that 
uh, his attorney said a federal lawsuit was being filed today on behalf right. of Hernandez's daughter. So getting to that Against point. Against the NFL and the Patriots. The NFL and the Patriots. So getting to that point about him doing what he's supposed to do in terms of advocating for his client mm-hmm. uh, and the future of Aaron Hernandez's daughter. And much like it was the case when um, even when he committed suicide and even when he was sentenced uh, to, to life in prison, the, the, the main person I feel sorry for is his daughter. Correct. Even still. OK. And I know that as we learn more and more about CT and the families obviously. and the families. Yeah, right. right. Um, uh, I know as we learn more and more about CTE that there has been a lot of two plus two equal four, meaning, OK, if they suffer from this head trauma and researchers have certainly pointed out the violent mood swings and the other mm-hmm. uh, and the other characteristics you may take on because of that. I don't want to automatically make the leap and say, well, I, I should now feel sorry for Aaron Hernandez or I should now this blame that. This it. is why he right. did it no. when there is still I, I think, uh, you know, my heart goes out to. Uh, the families of those he victimized, because I can only imagine what it's like to see this in the news today, because they know because people were whispering about it before. They already know that people were already looking for a reason to somehow explain how this happened or exonerate him. him. And so for me, I feel bad in the sense for them that a sense of justice still isn't quite there for them, even though. We know what happened to him, and it is a tragic story, but I don't want to make that connection. I will say this, though, from a broader perspective. I know that how the public views concussions is a little hypocritical, because on one end you hear some fans saying, oh, it turns me off on the game, knowing that this concussion issue is still so prevalent in the NFL, but yet everybody's still turning in on Sundays. But once again, overall, this is this sends such a, a different stronger, very negative message about what it could mean for players in terms of playing football. I agree with you that the players themselves, there will always be somebody who wants to play. But I'm thinking about, you know, the parents of kids who play football and others who are looking at a story like this and making that two plus two. I hope they do. Because, again, there's a lot of people who weren't accused or convicted of murder who (laughs) suffer from CTE. All the parties involved. The perception is what I'm saying is that it's going to give another negative perception to playing the game of football. All the parties involved, and I'm uncomfortable with that as well, putting football on trial for this situation. All the parties involved, they want to experience, and we pray that they experience, a peace that transcends understanding. So I guess what we should take this and use it for is understanding or attempt at understanding. Our earlier today, Ezekiel Elliott spoke publicly for the first time since Sunday's nine carry, eight yard, two lack of effort interception return performance in Denver for which Hall of Famer LaDainian Tomlinson first accused him of quitting, which Hall of Fame cowboy Michael Irvin says he'll speak to LT about. Here's Zeke speaking for himself. I mean, I've definitely heard it. Uh, I mean, I, I guess you could say it looked like that. I mean, I think you could... I would say I was just very frustrated, but that's no excuse for the lack of effort I showed on tape, and I just can't do that. You know, being one of the leaders of this team and, you know, being a guy that people count on, I, I can't put that type of stuff on film. It's just bad effort. You know, I just can't do that. I was frustrated, and, uh, you know, I kind of and – and I wasn't myself. Is that it for the story? Can yeah. we move on? We on to Arizona? So. And I'm glad he owned it because in that situation, we've certainly seen other players where, you know, as they say, the eye in the sky doesn't lie, try to kind of – not necessarily lie their way out of it, but try to downplay it. And he and I, it didn't come off to me that it, that he was. He right. knew and this, that everybody we, saw it. I think we and speaking of which, I think we finally have the all twenty-two of Talib's interception return, right. which we hadn't seen before. Now I believe. Yeah, but now uh, I think this is a, a good step for him. Own it. You know you did it. Everybody saw it. 
and the fact that you have a former player calling you out on it, that's even more reason uh, beyond just what you owe your team to correct it. So if this isn't who he is, and if he's about competing and being accountable to his teammates, it doesn't matter what you say, what I say, what LT says, or anybody else. There's nothing more embarrassing than having to sit among your peers and at the same time watch how you let them down. So to me, I think he's learned his lesson, but the only way that he will truly learn his lesson is if he's not embarrassed in the public. This is his first time speaking publicly, mm -hmm. but people behind the scenes have spoken to him. Right. He's had to hear it from them. He's had to look them in the eye and realize that he could have performed better on those two plays than he did. So if that's what happened and he felt it like we hope he felt it, then we can move on and he'll live and learn. And of course not do it again. All right, now on to tonight's contest. There is Jerry Goff. Still have him on your fantasy roster, Mike? No, it was just a one-week thing. Okay, all right. Uh, Jerry Goff arriving there for tonight's game against the 49ers. Speaking of, we are in for a treat. Uh, 49ers haven't scored a touchdown all season and are, are, are on a eight-game home losing streak. And the Rams are coming off a loss uh, to Washington. But, hey, at least they've scored some touchdowns this season. Not shockingly, it seems as though some fans aren't buying into this game. And I do mean that literally, according to the San Francisco Chronicle. As of yesterday, resale tickets were being offered on StubHub for as low as $14. Wow. And this will be the 49ers' cheapest home game since they moved to Levi. You watching this game, Mike? Yes. And not Beyond just because just it's a my job. Capacity. Not just because it's my job. And not because I'm obsessed with football. See, you know what the problem with the NFL evolving into a passing league and, and being all about points is it's made a lot of, of, of fans even more casual fans. Like, there's a lot of theories about what's wrong with the NFL, whether it's offensive line play or, um, you know, pace of game, whatever. The youth of rosters, which we'll discuss that in more detail later on. Problem is everybody just follows quarterbacks. And you got one guy that's the number one overall pick two years ago that hasn't lived up to it as of yet, although he's shown some improvement. He got Brian Hoyer. So the casual fans like, well, I don't watch this game because I'm not into the quarterbacks. These two running backs are really good tonight, okay? You have Todd Gurley. And you have Carlos Hyde, who was one of the best in the league when it comes to breaking tackles. You have a defensive line in San Francisco that's got three first-rounders on it. Mm -hmm. you, have the, you have what some would call the best player, regardless of position, certainly the best-looking player in the NFL <laughs> on the Rams defensive line <laughs> in, Aaron, in Aaron Donald. Okay, so you got you that. Go. If for no other reason than to see this young man, you have that going for you tonight. So what I'm saying is if you are into old-school smash-mouth physical football, Tonight's the night for you. And I'm not just trying to push the NFL product. I mean it. Not to mention, neither one of these teams, going back to last year, crossed the other teams 50 often. So you know what that means? A lot of Johnny Hecker. You look at me like, you see, I mean, you don't even know who Johnny Hecker is, do you? Do you know who Johnny wanna, Hecker is? is, jo is Johnny Hecker's the punter. Is Roger Goodell the best punter in the NFL. Right no, no, I, no I'm, I'm, I'm saying, you know what? <laughs> just you know what? This glass does look half full. Okay? <laughs> Trying to turn the front upside down here, people. Trying to turn the front upside down. And I'm a process guy. I'm a process guy. Like, these are two rebuilding teams. Two rookie head coaches. And you you got to see what kind of culture they're establishing. What kind of attitude and effort their teams play with. Now, so there's that. Now, Mike, I, I'm watching this game because obviously I'm a 49ers fan. And I'm, and I'm scouting. All right? I'm scouting because I'm looking at what, what, what positions do we need to fill Evaluating the young talent, really like how the defense has played so far this season. The offense, obviously, not so much given their lack of scoring. But I can't. I'm emotionally can't invested. Can you get excited for this? 
I, I'm only excited because like you, I am, I'm more excited about the process of building because I know when that day comes, when they're finally back, I'm going to remember this Thursday night there game. I'm going to remember this The hard moment. times. Right. Yeah. And, that's gonna, and the victory will feel so much sweeter. Yeah. But everybody else, I, I, can't, I can't even fix my lips to convince somebody else to watch this game. I can't. I did. I, I, I did a damn good job of it. And you, and you actually oversold myself. it to the point where I was just like, you can't possibly. Because I ain't a casual fan. Okay, I get that. But look, I, <laughs> fans... While this is not in any rate going to be a 40-30 affair, but I don't blame fans for wanting to see people actually score. San Francisco has a score. Maybe there's something to be said for old-fashioned defensive struggle. Nah. Nah, Mike. I don't know (laughs) if that did it. All right. Well, we go out to somebody who will definitely be watching the game. Alden Gonzalez, he's at Rams 49ers. Now, Alden, this is considered to be the worst Thursday night football matchup in some time, um, what are the best storylines to watch? Give us something. Give us some reasons to be tuned into this game. Man, I really feel like I got to sell this game to you guys now. So let's give this a shot. Uh, I guess number one, you got Kyle Shanahan matching up against Sean McVay. They're the NFL's two youngest coaches, and they actually took really weird career paths together with Kyle hiring Sean for his first job in Washington. You had Sean taking over for Kyle as as the offensive coordinator there. And then years later, you got Kyle taking over as the head coach for the team that Sean's grandfather used to run. Mm. So that's pretty cool. You got Jared Goff playing in the home of the team that he grew up rooting for for the first time in his career, if you're into that sort of thing. But, guys, um, from my perspective, the, the biggest thing that I'm watching, and Michael touched on this a little bit, is actually the running game and specifically how the Rams' defense is going to defend the 49ers. The Rams just gave up 229 rushing yards to the Redskins. That's the most they have given up since 2011. And if you watched the 49ers last week, Carlos Hyde ran for 124 yards against the Seahawks. Rams defensive coordinator Wade Phillips told us earlier this week that the 49ers have to be licking their chops to face the Rams defense in this game. The Rams really got to fix it with their run defense. And they feel like if Aaron Donald is right in his second game since his holdout, that's going to pay a big dividend. And, you know, there you go. You could watch Aaron Donald tonight, too. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So we got coaches, run defense. And I guess Aaron Donald. We're here, man. Appreciate it. (laughs) Enjoy the game. Seriously. Thank you. All right. In what many consider to be a surprising move, Nebraska fired athletic director Sean Eichhorst earlier today. Now, Eichhorst was hired in October of 2012, and he was let go as the Huskers are off to a 1-2 start this season, which, get this, is the third time in 56 years the Huskers have started 1-2, and and two of those times have come under current head coach Mike Riley. Now, uh, former Nebraska quarterback Tommy Armstrong Jr. tweeted that he and his teammates, they felt some kind of way after I-Course from the beginning uh, seemed to kind of disrespect him a little bit for the way he handled the firing of their coach, Bo Pelini. So, unexpected shakeup in Nebraska. So, Trevor Maddich, this looks like, so, the chancellor didn't hire I-Course. Right. Okay? Which means that... Whoever the chancellor hires to be AD is going to be looking for his own coach. That's right. To replace Mike Rodgers. Because uh, what difference does it make to fire an AD right. two ga- three games into a disappointing season? Michael, that's why the timing of this smacks of a complete retooling of the entire football organization. Because the reason you fire a, a, an athletic director now is so that you can fi- hire a new one. He can start the search mm-hmm. for a new head football coach by the end of the season. Yep. That's what it seems like they're looking to do. Because it's not going to improve the on-field product. 
No, it won't. As a matter of fact, it hurts the on-field product. Mm. Because now all of a sudden you've got recruits saying, what's going to happen at Nebraska? You've got the players in the locker room wondering what in the world's going to happen with my coaching staff. I signed to play for this guy. Now who's going to be here? It creates obstacles to continuity and to, to good play this year, but they're looking for a long-term advance. So rich tradition. Sorry, Jamal. No, no, I was going to say rich tradition, but falling on hard times as of late. Still a marquee job. Still a type of program that could attract a top-notch coach. Yes and no. Yes, if they let him coach. No, if they continue to go through a – uh, coaching carousel, which is what they've done. When Tom Osborne left after the national championship of 1997, the next guy there was Frank Solich. He was there for six years. Four of those six years, he won 10, 11, or 12 games. His sixth year, they fired him after a 10-win season, right? Bopolini was there seven years, never won fewer than nine games. They fired him after a nine-win season. And last year, Mike Riley won nine games. So if I'm a coach looking at this, I'm going to say, now look, this will take time to build up. The football landscape is not what it used to be. Nebraska is no longer the national juggernaut to recruits right. that it once was. Right. I need time, and if you won't give it to me, I'm not going to come there. So I think that's an important thing for the next coach, should they fire this staff, to tell, to tell him, to make him know that he will have long-term security there to build a program. Well, thank you, Trevor. We appreciate you appreciate joining us and giving man. us some uh, perspective. All right, unified light heavyweight world title holder Andre Ward says he's retiring. Earlier on first take, he said, when you don't have the desire and you don't have the ability physically to go out there and prepare the way you need to, you shouldn't be in a boxing ring. He also released a nice video on Instagram to that effect. He says, so my goal has always been to walk away from the sport and to retire from the sport and not let the sport retire me. And I had that opportunity today, here, here. So he's 33 years old. Finishes 32-0, 16 KOs in his career. Steph Curry, among many others, shouting out not only a great champion, but a great man. Um, I'm not surprised that this is the way he's going out on his own terms. Uh, had a chance to get to know him a little bit this summer. Uh, and we had him on the show when we were in Vegas for Mayweather McGregor. Great guy, uh, got a, lot, a much higher calling um, than, than just this. And he had hinted to, to about retiring back in January, I want to say about really kind of choosing his next move carefully. But all that said, is this a big blow for boxing? I think it is just because of of some of the characteristics that you mentioned. I mean, I think boxing, uh, and we saw some evidence of that this past weekend, not necessarily with the the fighters, uh, but with the outcome, the controversy, Mm -hmm. uh, the perception that boxing has as being a dirty game. And Andre Ward is very few athletes you use this term for, but he was a true sportsman. You know, he was a great ambassador for the game a high-quality individual in person, and obviously one of the best to, to ever do it. So it's a blow from that standpoint to have somebody like him, to have um, uh, somebody of just that high character representing their sport. But I guess the reason why, strangely, I don't feel sad about this is because I know— boxing, he might be back. <laughs> well, no, I didn't even actually yeah, think about that. That question is sincerity. Right. And, and, I, and I think he was sincere when he said, hey, I got to be— if I'm going to do this, i got to be able to put my all into it. The right. sport deserves I it. I appreciate he was so it. self-aware. He was, but you know how Yeah, sometimes you, know how this sport you, feel, is. Those, you feel that yeah. tug, and we've seen many right. leave, come back because right. they miss it. And the right it, opportunity. Exactly, and, and the nature of the sport is kind of built that way. But I guess I worry less about him because it does feel like – he feels like one of those athletes that's going to be able to transition into something more. Okay, so yeah. a, lot of, a lot of guys, when they leave, they have no game plan. They don't know what they're going to do. They have no idea what else might interest them, what they want to be involved in. He's been working on this game plan for a Thank while. Thank you. He, yeah. doesn't, he strikes me as somebody who had a plan, who had an exit strategy, and the fact that he came forth now and listed the reasons that he did, I think that just speaks to, to just how prepared he was, not in his sport, but obviously in his life. And look, 
selfishly, we started off the show talking about repeated head trauma in the National Football League. Seeing somebody be able to walk away healthy with an unblemished record as the pound-for-pound guy. Yeah. Here, here. Congratulations, Andre Ward. All right. Tonight, the 49ers will host the Rams on Thursday Night Football. And we know these teams have had some struggles, to put it politely, for San Fran. They are only 3-19 and over their last 22 games, outscored by 230 points in that span. But guess who those three wins have come against? Why the Rams? <laughs> that includes a 28 to nothing win the last time these two teams met at Levi Stadium. Hey, yo, let that sink in. <laughs> let that sink in. Let that marinate. So let me let you in on my text uh, exchange a second ago. As Teddy Bruski joins us. Teddy, I tried my best. Let, let that sink in. It's a sink oh, at the door. Let that sink in. Let it in. I get it. I tried to push this game. You old school, hard-nosed guy, defensive struggle guy. I tried to push this game. A friend of mine texted me. was like, man, I'm watching a What's Going Down episode of That's My Mama tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so, my, son, my son wanted to know who was playing because he said, I don't have any fantasy players in that game. I'm not watching. <laughs> He's like, I'm not watching. I'm out. That's what we've come to. Not a lot of fantasy players to choose from, I guess, but we might see some hard-nosed football. We go. might. We might. Way to put a spin on it. So if that's the case... <laughs> Uh, what dominoes need to fall for the Rams to win the NFC West? Oh. Because if you look at it, right, we know what condition the Niners are in. To win the West. Okay. Arizona, yeah. we know where they stand. Yeah. Um, Seattle. Seattle can be a mess at times. They can times. be a mess at sure. times. They're, sure. they're struggling. So I, I would say the domino that would have to fall, I mean, I mean, bad quarterback play. I mean, maybe that's a – yeah, that's a domino. You can follow that. I mean, <laughs> Jared Goff playing better. I mean, better his second year with – I mean, right now with Sean McVay, I just think – I see a young quarterback that's trying to do the right things, trying to go through his progressions and, and, and be a quarterback that his coach wants him to be. But then at times, I just see him as young, one-read quarterback. That's all I got now. I'm sort of improvising. So, I mean, even as a young as a young player right here, he does good. This is the second quarter last week. He looks off the linebacker just a little bit, and you see that completion gets right in that window. But later in the fourth quarter, very similar concept. I don't know why this is the fourth quarter, but he just stares him down. Wow. Mason Foster, same linebacker, almost the same exact read. He's, a hole through his he's not he's not diving for him anymore. He makes the play. And I, and I think to myself, is that because he feels the pressure in the fourth quarter of it being a close game? Or maybe he's just still trying to learn and do it consistently over the course of the game? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, the game tonight, okay, it's not, it's not a big high-profile game. But still, for him, Jared Goff, a lot of people are going to be watching him, especially myself, to see what kind of quarterback do they really have? Yeah. I mean, is he that guy right there that linebackers watching film say to themselves, he's going to throw me one mm. and I'm going to get it. And that's what Mason Foster did basically within that game. And that's what a lot of defenders are seeing right now with Jared Goff. Now this, for Los Angeles Rams fans, I do see a little bit of a pro- improvement. Like I'm saying, I can, I can just hear Sean McVay in his ear. He's getting a little bit better. I saw him go through his progressions. Not a lot, but still trying. So we'll see what they got. No surprise Teddy Bruski highlights the playmaking linebacker yeah, with yeah, the interception. Yeah. <laughs> you try to play me once, you're not going to get me a second time. <laughs> All right, one day, maybe your son will have Jared Goff on his fantasy team. Thanks for being on right, our team. I appreciate you. I don't know. Time for some questions that need answers. The hot questions, the important questions. And we start with ESPN NBA reporter Chris Haynes, who we sure have got a lot of questions about Kevin Durant after all the drama that has been going on with him. So three questions on three players. So we start again with Kevin Durant. A uh, player you follow all season. So 
So what are your sources inside the Warriors organization saying about KD's approach to the offseason, especially all this Twitter drama that he's been in? Well, the Warriors maintain that there's not any concern at all. Um, I know for a lot of people that may be hard to believe because KD has had quite the eventful summer. Um, I, I was told that, look, the Warriors every year go through an annual media session. Uh, you know, it's where they train some of the players that try to kind of remind them on how to handle media and, and the social media. And I was told there isn't any emphasis on this year's symposium to make sure that KD and others understand on the proper guidelines of how to handle social media. So from their aspect, from their view, vantage point, they're saying that there's really no concern at all. They're going to bring them in and hope to have a successful basketball camp. So that's what they're saying. But obviously, you know, they, it was definitely something that was definitely serious of what KD was doing this summer. It's like the way he handled the championship, you know, winning the championship NBA finals, you just don't see guys go about it in that yeah. way. So we'll see what happens from here. Well, yeah, no emphasis on it because there's certainly no precedent for his situation in many respects. So Carmelo Anthony's camp, according to Frank Isola of the New York Daily News, cautiously optimistic that he could be dealt to Houston before the Knicks media day on Monday. Is this cautious optimism or wishful thinking? I'm saying, Chris, what do you know that they know that the rest of us don't? Well, it's a little bit. You know, guys, guys we have to remember both sides are trying to apply pressure. Houston wants New York to absorb Ryan Anderson's deal. Ryan Anderson has three years left, 60 mil. 29 years old. That's not the type of player that the Knicks want to acquire because they're going in the youth movement. The Knicks want to get this move out the way as well ASAP because, look, we all know that they admitted him from all the media logs and all the, the catalogs that they were distributing out to season ticket holders. So they don't want to bring him into camp and have him ask some questions along that nature. So I think something is I, I, I think we're leaning more towards what Isola is reporting. I think there's a very good chance he probably will be traded before camp because huh. the Knicks d want to avoid that mess. And the Houston, like there's really no takers out there for Houston to increase or uh, put any more within that offer. Maybe he has to expand his teams that he's willing to go to. Hey, before we get to Joel and B, you got a bird in your crib, man? Well, like, what was that weird like sound? Polly wanted a cracker or something just now? Like we... We can hear stuff. <laughs> you got a parrot? You got a pet? What, what it was? That's the question. That, that's look, the QTNA right now. Is look, what the hell was that look, noise? Stop guys, the hammering! No, <laughs> I got the windows open to let the, the breeze come through. Oh, okay. So yeah, you may hear nature out outside. Oh, okay, all right. Okay. 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 Thanks, thanks all for right. shouting okay. that out. Okay. No, we, no, we, we heard didn't it. Know what it was? We heard it. All right, real quick before we let you go, Joel Embiid has not been clear for five on five. What's the concern level inside the Sixers organization? Well, I've talked, you know, I talked to the Sixers organization. Look, they, they feel like nothing has changed on their part as far as how, how they're handling his rehab. They felt they took a conservative approach with him last season. He didn't play in back-to-back -back games at all last year. And this year, they're going to just move him along slowly. They refuse to uh, release a timetable when they think he's going to be able to play. But I was told that he will have some involvement, some basketball-related involvement during camp. And that they hope that he progresses and progresses in strength. You have to remember, guys, he's had three surgeries since he turned pro. He had some back issues once when he was in college. And at one point earlier in his career, his professional career, uh, he was a little bit overweight. 
So there's a whole bunch of dynamics that the Sixers have to deal with, considering that this is a seven-foot athletic guy who can do it all. So they're, they're, they're taking the right approach. Nobody really knows when he will be back. All right. Thank you, Chris. We appreciate you dropping knowledge. And uh, go feed the birds. Yeah, enjoy nature. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We got a pretty good college football action going on tonight. That's for sure. Uh, But first, we're joined by Booger McFarland, who is calling one of those games in in Temple, South Florida. Florida. So thanks for joining us, Booger. Uh, But we're going to start first with the uh, NFL. Yeah, because you're versatile. You can do college and NFL. So let's go NFL real quick. Robert Klemko, Monday morning quarterback, he writes today that the blame for lousy play in the NFL should be placed on newly re-elected Demora Smith and the NFL PA for, quote, shortened practice time in the offseason, a measure that had the full backing of the players but should have been more carefully scrutinized. The consequences are clear. Smith was not alone in accepting these new measures. Shortened practice time in the offseason and smaller contracts for inexperienced players were measures embraced by players back in 2011. So, Booger, how much are players to blame for the state of the NFL given the youth of the rosters based on the rookie wage scale and the lack of practice time, which they were in favor of? Well, I think there's enough blame to go around, and you can start tonight on a Thursday night. Yes, it's a shortened week, and players don't have time to rest their body, but guess what? Thursday night football is not going anywhere because there's a lot of money involved. Then you move on to the CBA and Demara Smith, who, by the way, I don't think D. Smith has done a good job. I realize that they just reelected him, but I think he's done a poor job at being the executive director of the NFLPA. But guys, just think about it. You guys have a show called SC6. If you, if you guys don't uh, rehearse, if you don't practice, then you're not going to be as good as you can be when you come out at 6 o'clock. Uh, it's booger, no different booger, than the NFL player. Uh, uh, it's, it's too close to home. It's no different. You have to be able to practice and right. put the time in. So the players gave back some money. And in turn, what the owners did, the owners said, okay, we'll start the season later. We'll take away some of the pads. Now, the fans get an inferior product on the field because D. Smith gave some money back and the players got a little longer offseason, a little bit fewer lighter practices, and, they, and in the end they think they won, and in my opinion I think the players lost in the last CBA. You hit it right off the top of the head though, enough blame to go around and there's a lot yeah. of finger pointing right now. Yeah, definitely. Uh, as I was just saying uh, when we discussed this yesterday that this is one of the few times where I actually think the college game is more entertaining to watch than the NFL right now. You got, a, you got 150 options for college. Well, you, you do, but still, I still think it's more entertaining. For sure, one of those entertaining teams has been Clemson. Unfortunately, they suffered a big blow today. Kicker Greg Hugel suffered a torn ACL on a field goal attempt on the last play of practice Wednesday evening, and he's gone for the season. Uh, Dabo Sweeney called it a freak accident. Uh, Hugel, he's made all ACC each of the last two years, so this is significant. Uh, how significant is this injury? Uh, we'll well, I, I think it's pretty significant, but guess what? They got some other guys on scholarship. So the guy behind him, Alex Spence, he has earned those three hots in the cot right now. Also, when, when you look at Clemson overall, though, they're the most complete football team in America. They're playing the best football in the country. And we didn't think we was going to say that at the beginning of the season. Deshaun Watson leaves. What's Kelly Bryant going to be like? Well, guys, Kelly Bryant has been amazing. You couple that with the best defensive line in college football. They got four guys up front who I think are going to go top two rounds. I think that combination of Kelly Bryant on offense, that defensive line with that defense, they're the most complete team. And if it comes down to a field goal, Alex Spence, baby, you got to earn that scholarship too now. Exactly. Yeah, I think he made a 56-yarder in the scrimmage, so he's got a leg on him as well. Uh, also, Booger, uh, since we got you here, why don't you make some picks with us? Uh, there's a handful of 
Good matchup. Never heard that before, have you, right? We're 10 years old. We're 10 years old. What can I say? It it is a lot of uh, good matchups this weekend. Penn State takes on Iowa. USC faces Cal. Uh, The biggest might be number 16, TCU taking on sixth-rate Oklahoma State. Pick up that booger. Go ahead, pick something. (laughs) Listen, I've been trying to pick an upset. I've been going back and forth. I don't really have an upset, but what I have is a couple of games that I think are going to be close. Let's start with TCU and Oklahoma State. TCU has Kenny Trill Hill. I think that name is still patented. I don't know when he left Texas (laughs) A&M. But he's completing 75% of his balls. The defense that Gary Patterson puts on the field, I think TCU will come up with the defense. They'll try to pressure Mason Rudolph, and they'll keep the game close. I still think Oklahoma State wins, but I think that game will be closer than the experts think. And in my second game that'll be close, I think it's Florida and Kentucky. Florida is still thinking that Steve Spurrier is coming through that door and the funny gun is going to happen again. But that offense has been abysmal all year long. Felipe Franks at quarterback has been struggling a little bit. Kentucky, meanwhile, guess what? Kentucky's not a basketball school. They think they're a football school. And they're starting to run the football with Benny Snell Jr., the quarterback Steven Johnson. They have an identity. I think that game is going to be a fourth quarter game. But in the end, I'm going with the Florida Gators. So those are two games. Although I'm not picking the upset, Uh I think they'll be closer than the experts think. All right, Anthony McFarlane. We will hear from you shortly (laughs) (laughs) for South Florida and Temple. (laughs) All right, man. Thank you. All right, now tonight after Temple of South Florida, uh, don't miss Sports Center at night with Bucci and John Anderson. Also streaming live on the ESPN app. All right, now according to Yahoo Sports, Michael Bennett, Malcolm Jenkins, Tory Smith, and Anquan Bolden sent a memo to the NFL in August requesting league support and asking for a month to be dedicated to social activism. In the in the memo, the player said the following: "We would like November to serve as a month of unity for individual teams to engage and impact the community in their market. For us, support means bear all or part of the weight of hold of hold up, give assistance to, especially financially." enable to function or act. We need support, collaboration, and partnerships to achieve our goal of strengthening the community. Uh, Mike, what's your reaction to the players pushing the league to be more invested? Um, It's a good ask, but I don't think the NFL is ready to truly come all the way off the sideline and invest itself in this game or this fight, I should say, because neutrality is, is safe for the NFL. That's why you hear words like, unity or mutual respect or hey we respect everybody's freedom of of speech or expression because you're not necessarily picking a side but if you go all in in your support of criminal justice reform the need for reform comes from a problem you're acknowledging a problem you're explicitly picking a side and I just don't know that the NFL, the owners in particular, they may be willing to go to community meetings or release a statement of support. But I don't know if they're ready to pick a side when you have police and police unions and a lot of people that are turned off by the demonstrations which are rooted in this cause. So they may say that they support the players, but to actually put action to their words where so many people insincerely say, well, don't just demonstrate but put some action to I'm it. The players, exactly. The players are doing that, asking for help. I don't think the NFL is willing to do it because if they were so willing to do it, Colin Kaepernick would not be blackballed. Right. If they were really invested in picking a side, Colin Kaepernick would have a job right now. Well, I, I think it's a, a nice gesture on the players' part because one thing that they've done is they haven't given the NFL owners uh, or the brass an excuse because 
there has been this insinuation, and some people have said it plainly, that because the demonstrations are so off-putting, why don't you protest the right way? Well, what is this? This is a very detailed, laid-out memo uh, talking about action, what can be done in the community, meetings, all of those things. These players went to Capitol Hill to meet the lawmakers on their turf to discuss these issues and still where where are we at? So this is, to me, a, a further example of why there is no right way. The, everybody's going to be uncomfortable, and I'm with you. I don't think the NFL is, has any interest in, in picking up this fight, regardless right. of what they say about how they're so invested in the community. They can do things like breast cancer awareness or domestic violence awareness, but they can do all those things. They're safe. They're, not, they're safe. You're, You're not, not offending anybody. Side. You're not offending anybody. As soon as you anybody. say criminal justice reform, which, yeah. oh, by the way, had they said police brutality, I really wonder where this conversation would be because it's pretty much uh, kind of the same thing almost, although this deals with sentencing. But they're saying all the right things, and I know that the NFL still isn't going to be involved in this. You don't get an owner saying, I've never gotten more emails about a player than about Colin Kaepernick or another owner gauging the fan interest of whether or not to sign him or whether they'd accept him if you're willing to go this far with it. Again, they're going to stay as neutral as possible in this while – trying to kind of support the player's right to do this, but getting all the way in, getting dirty in this, for lack of a better phrase. They have no uh, interest. And you know what they say about neutrality? You've chosen the side of the oppressor. All right, so David Johnson is rehabbing from wrist surgery. And somebody had the nerve to ask him about fantasy. You don't worry about all those fantasy players? Or no, no, the last thing. <laughs> fantasy is the last thing on my mind right now. What a nice guy for laughing through it. Yeah. You know, he embraces that and uh, I wish him a speedy recovery not just for his own sake see I, I wasn't even gonna bring this up but I made a deft trade I'm gonna be in the playoffs so I traded Darren Sproles I was deep at running back for David Johnson down the road nobody cares about your fantasy team they don't. but when you get your own show you can talk about your fantasy team Tupac cares if don't nobody, if nobody else, else care yeah. yeah but I, t- I tell you what I'm so sick of people adding these players I know on Twitter well, they all talked about it like, you think they like, really care about this? They don't care about you and your team yeah. at all. And adding them is just, it's just so right, ask it's about a it. war. Ask him about it. with the reporter. All uh, right. In reality, NBA players no longer will have to rest as much given that the league is reduced back-to-backs. Much to the chagrin of old man yelling at Cloud, Charles Barkley. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> the private jets and the four-star hotels is not enough. So I just want to commend the NBA we're just making it so convenient for these poor babies. You know, I am so angry, angry at the NBA for telling these guys, wait a minute, we're paying you $30, $40 million a year. You can't play basketball two days in a row. Uphill, <laughs> both ways back in your day. Huh? Knows you knew you would end well up in DTM. And if you were playing today, he'd take all those. All Maybe those he'd have lasted longer if they wouldn't have ran him into the ground. Here's the thing if I'm paying him 20 to $30 million as an owner, I'm trying to protect my investment to get the most out of them, the highest caliber performance out of them. And I don't know, maybe win with them, right? Uh, get out, man. Speaking of uh, old man yelling at clouds, Dollar Greca of the Yes Network in New York, he doesn't want to hear any excuses about the poor play. From the Giants offensive line. The offensive line sucks. Period. That's my stat. You want a stat? You want sabermetrics? Offensive Don look at Don LaGreca tweeted last night or said on the Michael Cage Offensive line stinks. That's the stat. The Pythagorean theorem said that the Red Giants offensive line, that their record should be one and one. 
That's the Pythagorean theorem said that the Giants' offensive line that they're Becker putting two and all. When I talk to that, when I talk, it's football. I've been watching it for forty years. Forty, forty years. That's when you fed up right there. He was out of him. He was out of him. And why did he have to ask the list? Add the list to it. I know. Like that was that was bad. I'm glad Tom Eberspiel stepped up for us. Fellow uh, analytics people. <laughs> like, I blame the Giants for this. Like, you see what you've driven this man to? He's about to have a coronary or something. Same rational human being. Michael K. just like, I'm just, I was at he's a like, family I'm, barbecue. He's like, I'm just here. <laughs> Hoping my badge works as soon as this is over with. I don't know how I didn't bust out laughing. Man. When the next time, when will we go on a good rant, Mike? I go on a good rant once a segment. <laughs> Stop the hammering! <laughs> get a good rant? Before we call it a day, who had a good day, Jamel? Now let's make it a good day for the people of Puerto Rico and J.J. Barea in particular. He's started a fund to help his home country following the damage of Hurricane Maria, which has been incredible. Yeah. Uh, Marley Rivera, also our colleague, she has also started a fund as well. So please help out and donate what you can.